Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. So um, I really want to continue on a theme I started last week. Um, and, and my desire in sharing what the Lord had me share last week is is really for one reason and one reason only. And because, you know, when you talk about brokenness, <laughs> it's not like, whoo, that's going to be a zinger of a message. <laughs> it, but, but when you realize the, the reasoning or why God allows breaking to come in our lives, you can understand how important this topic is. Because if there's anything I want you to take away from today is this, is that God will break you because he wants to bless you. Blessings come out of brokenness. And it's God's heart and desire to bless all of us. But the beautiful thing about it is that it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a beautiful breaking but it's something that is God's intent, God's desire, because there's one thing that we've got to understand. We all want to be effective ministers for God. We all want to be used by God. We all want our gifts and our talents to be an instrument for God. We all want to be able to step into what Jesus says, greater things will you do in my name because I go to be with the Father. Greater things. Those are that's an incredible thing to think about. Greater things we'll do in his name. Because he's going home to be with the Father. But what we'll come to realize basically. That it is the spirit that gives life. And nothing else. So. John 6, 33 says this. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit or life. I remember when I was um, a youth leader and, and I, was, I had all the youth and, and I was, you know, trying to... Um, impart to them all this great wisdom that I had at, at an early age of 20. And, and all of a sudden, I started sharing all of my stories, all of my struggles, all of my, all of my uh, disappointments and setbacks. And, and I was trying to almost tell them, don't go that way. You don't need to experience that. And, and I... I remember that the, the leader over the whole youth group pulled me aside and, and she said to me, she said, you know, Sam, your testimonies and your experiences are good, but God's word through his spirit is the only thing that's going to change them. It's God's word. It's not all your experiences and everything that you've gone through and you got the badge and I've been there, done that. It is the life of God 
through his word, because Jesus says, the words I speak to you are what? Our spirit and their life. So it's God's word that is imparting life to people. So what we come to realize is that it's not my charisma, it's not my passion, it's not my gifting, it's not my abilities that's going to change anybody. Or a good sermon. It's the life of Christ within me, flowing through me to touch somebody else. It is his life, and that's it. 2 Corinthians 6, verses 4 through 6. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So sooner or later, it's not going to be on your first day when you're born again that you're going to begin to learn this, but many years later, we will begin to discover the truth that it is the Spirit of God through my life that gives life and nothing else. Because life changes things. And when we come to the end of ourselves and we see the emptiness of our efforts and our abilities, our desire to do something for God, when we come to the end of our own strength, we realize that eventually it is the Spirit of Christ which gives life to people around us. And, and, and then some ways you can, you can glory in the glorious uh, understanding that even though you are broken, that's a beautiful surrender. That's a beautiful place. Because Paul says, when I am weak, then it is God's strength being perfected through me that flows through me and can change people's life. So I'm going to glory in my weakness. I'm going to boast in my weakness. I'm going to boast in the areas where I thought I was strong at one time. Paul had one of the most brilliant minds of any theologian. There was no one sharper than the Apostle Paul who knew the Word of God. You could not refute or, or discredit or do anything according to the word that Paul couldn't counter it and show you to be a fool. He knew the word. But he said his greatest intellect, his greatest abilities, his great mind, everything that he knew, he realized that it came to an end when he realized that he, he was using his mind for the wrong reasons. And that was he, he was thought he was trying to glorify God by perfecting the law and making it his, his uh, ministry to uphold the law of God. He realized that his brilliant mind had been against God all this time. He just surrendered it. He said, God, I, you know, I'm so sorry for the way that I, he was broken through all his, um, in his learning and his understanding. So it is the spirit alone that makes people live. Your most creative thought or charisma won't make people live. It won't. 
So it all comes down to us, if we're going to serve the Lord, we've got to realize the fact that um, sometimes passing, passing through failure and passing through pain is a way in which we're able to be broken open so that the Spirit of God can flow through us and, and touch a lost and dying world. When the Spirit of God is released through your life, kingdom happens. Things are changed. But the only way that the Spirit of God can flow through you is that your outer man has to be broken. We are spirit, soul, and body. We are a triune person. God dwells within your spirit, man. He, he comes and dwells within your spirit. And his goal is that he wants to bust out. But he's got to go through your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Well, when if your hard shell of your soul is kind of intact, where you're leaning on your own emotions, your own abilities, and your own will... It, it, the spirit can't break through your soul realm to manifest through your body and touch people's lives. So it is a working of the spirit. He doesn't circumvent the spirit to get to your soul. It's like he doesn't just leapfrog. He starts with your spirit, man, and he says, all right, let's move out. And he's going through you through your soul, through your brilliant mind, through your emotions, through your will, as an instrument where he can flow through with his mighty power and can touch people around you. So in that, the scripture says in Zechariah 4, 6, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. I've all, I, I, I'm having new understanding of this scripture that I've never had before. When you understand it is not your abilities, your might, your cleverness. It is not your own strength in that is going to have anything changed around you. It is going to be the life of God flowing through you and ministering to people wherever you go. Someone recently just said to me, even as of yesterday. Well, why would God want to break my mind? And I thought, I said, well, you know, that's a good question. She said, that doesn't sound good. Why would God want to break my mind? And I said, God doesn't want to break your mind. Like he's breaking a computer so it just won't work. Have you ever had a computer that just doesn't work? I mean, it's so frustrating. I'm like, let's just make this thing a boat anchor. You know, let's just throw it in the river. You know, sometimes I get so frustrated with computers. So, but he's not wanting to break your mind. He wants to break your dependence on your own intellect and your own ability so that your mind becomes dependent on him. He wants to use the brilliance of your mind for his kingdom. He doesn't want your mind to be so set on your own. Because, you know, really, 
when your mind is fully in charge and not submitted to the will of God, your mind is trying to figure everything out. Your mind is trying to make sense of everything, to make reason of everything. But when your mind is not submitted to the mind of God, your mind has become a God to you. And God's saying, your ability needs to be broken only for the fact that my, your mind is the mind that I made from the beginning, if you don't forget. It's my mind. I put it in you. I created you with that brilliant mind. I just want that mind to be used for me and me alone and not your own efforts. So God doesn't want to circumvent your spirit to touch your mind, will, and emotions. He starts with your inner man and he moves out because he wants self-dependence on him. He wants everything within you to be his. In Genesis 32, Jacob wrestled with God. And when he saw, God saw that he couldn't prevail against him, he basically said, okay, this wrestling match is over with. He takes his finger and goes, pow. And his thigh came out of socket. And, and, and Jacob, his very nature was he was um, meant conniver or cheater or he was always trying to figure his way out and make things happen his way. Well, in that, he touched his thigh and it came out of socket and he was limping. He limped the rest of his life. But why? Why did God break him like that? Because Jacob was dependent upon his own abilities and strength. He knew how to get things done. He knew how to get the birthright, the firstborn birthright. He stole it from his brother. And so in that, the scripture says in Genesis uh, 32, God says that I broke you so that I might bless you. I want your descendants to be like the descendants of the sands of the earth, of the seas of the earth. I want your descendants to multiply and grow throughout all of the earth. I want to bless you. I want to bless you with, with beautiful families and beautiful herds. He blessed everything he had, but he allowed them to be broken because he wanted to bless him. And when you look at it from that perspective, it all makes sense. It makes sense why God allowed David to be broken. That he would be a man after his own heart. You see why God broke Peter, who was very dependent on his strength and abilities as a great leader. But he broke Peter when he denied him three times because he wanted his strength as, as a leader to be yielded to him. He wanted his strength as a pillar to be yielded to him so that he might use him for his glory. So Tony Evans said this, if Jacob happened to walk out on the stage right now, he said he'd still be limping. If he walked out here, he would still be limping. And if, he, if anybody asked him, 
Why are you still limping? He would respond by this, saying, Because I'm blessed. I am blessed. And and the other reason that that God wants to... um, He wants to, 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 to break the outer shell of your life, your outer man, is that he wants you to be a refreshment to others. I want you to understand this. 1 Corinthians 16, 17 through 18. I rejoice over the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Archaeus and another whatever us. So, because they have supplied what was lacking on your part. Verse 18. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge such men. When the outer man of your mind, will, and emotions is broken, the Spirit of God is able to flow through you and be a refreshment to others. You're able to encourage others. You're able to impart life and and to give them hope and encouragement. We spent some time with with some dear friends um, the other day, and um, I was walking up the, the trail we went on a hike, and, uh, and, I, and I looked at my friend. I said, you know what? I said, you're a great brother. I said, I am so encouraged in my heart when I'm around you. And I looked at him, and I could tell that his very spirit was ministering to my spirit. You know, Scripture says in 1 John, he who walks in the light as he is the light you have koinonia with one another. And what that means is, is that, that the light of Christ, the spirit of the Lord within me, as, as he dwells within me and he dwells within my brother, my spirit ministers and refreshes his spirit, his spirit refreshes and strengthens my spirit, and therefore we have koinonia. That's fellowship. Spirit to spirit. See, the world can't have that. The world cannot have that kind of fellowship because the Spirit of God does not dwell in them. But see, as we come together, when I see you Sunday after Sunday, my heart is wanting to to bless you, to refresh you, to encourage you, to continue to say, let's keep pressing on while it's still called today. Let's build each other up in our most holy faith. Let's come alongside each other. So the Holy Spirit flows out of us to others. And we're able to refresh others and bless others. That's why it's so important when Paul says, don't forsake the gathering of the brethren. Don't forsake coming together. This isn't just a good old boys club we're coming together to. We are a living body that is able to refresh one another, encourage one another. Say, come on, brother, pick up your head. We got another day ahead. And let's, let's begin to unite with each other and, and, and see each other press on for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. We can't let anybody 
be left behind. We're all going as a family. We're going as a family in one accord. So if someone's lagging behind, guess what? We're all going to go get them. And we're going to say, come on, let's go. We're going to make it. So we can refresh each other as the Spirit of the Lord. Proverbs 11.25 says this. The generous will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. The Spirit in you refreshes the Spirit in somebody else. So I want to talk about what is in your hand. Luke 9, 57 through 60 says this. And as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. You know, when you read that, that does sound a little insensitive, doesn't it? You know, let the dead bury the dead. But Jesus was making a point. It wasn't like he was wanting, it wasn't him. He didn't want him to dishonor his father and not respect him in any way. It was basically addressing an issue that he had in his hand. And that thing that he had in his hand, he had more love and affection for and devotion than he did to Jesus. There was an old tradition, uh, there's a, a Jewish tradition in that when somebody was buried, they were put in a, in a shallow grave for a year. Um, and then after a year, they would, they would take the bones that were in the grave and then they would put them in a, in a um, kind of like a, a rock tomb. If you go on the side of Jerusalem, you'll see these rock tombs everywhere. And basically what they do is they take the bones out of the grave after a year and then they put them in these rock tombs. So I'm sure that that individual was waiting for the year to go by so he could get the bones and put them in a, in a proper burial in a rock grave. And so in that, Jesus is saying, no, no, I want you to follow me now. And it was revealing that the thing that he had in his hand was preventing him from doing what the Lord wanted him to do. So we have to determine what is it that's in my hand that possibly if the Lord summons me and he calls me to do something, am I ready or am I preoccupied with something in my hand? So in that, what I want to talk about is what do you have possibly in your hand right now? So, there is another uh, scripture in Matthew 19, 20. There was a young man said to him, he was a very wealthy man, and he asked Jesus, how can I have eternal life? And the Lord 
talked to him and said basically uh, that he must, you know, keep the commandments of the law. And this young man says, I've done all that. I've, keeping, I've kept everything. And, and then the young man said to him, verse 20 of, of Matthew 19, he said to him, all these things I've kept, so what am I still lacking? And Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. But when the young man heard the statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. The man was very wealthy. He was pursuing great wealth. And the reason he could not follow the Lord, because of the property that he had in his hand. It was a treasure to him. He wasn't willing to let go of that which was in his hand to go follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have to determine those things that are in our hands that we think are so important that possibly could be hindering our walk with God or delaying us in, in responding to God immediately. You know, it might be anything. It might even be a good thing. It might even be a very important thing. But that very important thing could be the very thing that's distracting you from doing the best thing. And that's following the Lord Jesus from everything within you. So as, la as long as our, uh, our outward man is unbroken, we will find the important things we give ourselves to or put in our hands They're the things that are gathering our attention and could be diverting us away from the better thing, and that is to serve the Lord with an open heart, an open mind. Martha and Mary. What was, what was Martha so uh, eager to do? Serve the Lord, cook him a good meal. She had everything in her hand in that kitchen, and Mary was sitting down. Mary wanted to be with the Lord. Mary wanted to hear the Lord. Mary wanted to, just to gaze into his eyes and to dwell with him. She chose the better thing. She chose the one thing at hand that was the most precious, and that was Jesus, and not so much having to be so busy to make a meal for the master. So our outward man has limits and it has, what well, just has limitations. Have, have you ever, um, have you ever just been focusing on something for so long, wrestling with something in your mind that you find yourself so exhausted? Giving, giving attention to something, thinking about something, chewing on something, dwelling on something that, that might be something that's concerning you but when your mind stays focused on that so long, it just depletes you of all emotional strength. And, and then you're depleted, and then all of a sudden, the Lord asks you to do something or 
to serve him or to minister for him. And you can't because you're absolutely depleted. You've given of your mind thinking upon other things and you've drained yourself and you've not allowed to let go of the thing in your hand that you've been wrestling with. And therefore, what that's doing is it's circumventing the Spirit of God from flowing through you. Has somebody ever offended you? Has somebody ever hurt you? And you dwelled upon it so long that it just depletes you. It's like it's sucking life out of you. It's like removing something from within you. It's like you don't have anything for anybody else. Giving over attention emotionally and mentally to things that are not of the kingdom are some of the things you've got in your hands that God is saying, I want you to let go of. Because it is those very things that is causing you to not walk in the fullness of my spirit. Let it go. Let it go and surrender those things to him. You know, there's many things that we can wrestle with in our mind and in our emotions and in our, our will. But You know, when I, when I saw my father and the night before um, he passed away, my father had an iron will, a strong will. And by golly, you didn't mess around and come against my father's strong will because it was going to be his way or the highway. And, and when I had the privilege of sharing with my, with my dad, I said, you know, Dad, you've told me over the years that you believe in God. But I said, I, d I don't see anything in your life that tells me that Jesus is living on the inside of you. And I said, your salvation is so important to me. But I said, Dad, your iron strong will is what is getting in the way of you and God. And are you ready to surrender your, your strong will? Because that's what he had in his hand. My dad, his, what he had in his hand was his strong will. And I said, are you ready to surrender your strong will and to receive Jesus? And he did. And it was glorious to see my, I could see the change in his eyes when the Spirit of God came inside of him. And it was like I was talking to a different person because the Spirit of Christ was now living inside of him. My dad passed away the next day. But my dad entered into the kingdom because he let go of the strength of his own will and chose to surrender his knee to the lordship of Jesus. And he was born again. 
as Dan says, blood bought to the uttermost. And so when God calls you and wants to use you, you've got to ask yourself, what's in my hand? And a lot of times what's in your hand is in your soulish realm. It's, all, it's, it's, it's involving your affections. It's involving the things that you like. It's involving all those things that satisfy the pleasures of your flesh. But in that, God is warning you to release it so that the outward man can be broken. You know, Jacob, God called Jacob in Genesis 32 because he stole the birthright from his brother Esau. Esau wasn't really happy with Jacob. He was like, you're not my favorite person. He wanted to kill him. And Esau grew into great numbers, and, and uh, his, he had warriors. And, and, and then all of a sudden, what does God make Jacob do? He makes him face his greatest fear. He says, I want you to go back to your homeland. I want you to go home. Everything within Jacob's trembling. <laughs> He's like, oh, no, God, don't make me go back home. I can't go back home. He'll kill me. God says, yes, you can. He said, because I'm going to bless you. And when he responded in faith, after wrestling with him, he finally he chose to face his fear and to go back and see his brother. And in that, I, I mean, it, it was a moment that I, I would have loved to have seen. But, but he went into that moment being blessed with a new name because he was no longer going to be called Jacob. God says, I'm giving you a new name. And now it's Israel. And he went into that face to, to meet with his brother, afraid that he was going to die, ended up being blessed beyond measure, and God said, I'm going to bless your descendants as, as, this, as this grain on, the, on the, all the seashores in the world, as, as many as that would be, I'm going to bless your children. So in that God sometimes will ask you to do something that's very difficult in your soulish realm. He'll ask you to do something. He might have you to go back and face your past, to look at your past, to deal with it. But it's all for the means of breaking the outer dependence of yourself so that the life of the Spirit of God can flow through you and be a blessing to so many people. You know, he really wants your capacity to love to be enlarged. He wants your ability to love to be stretched. He wants everything within you to begin to be united with his purposes so that he can flow through you mightily. You know, he's not making you into a robot that doesn't have emotions. 
He's making you into a human being that has the life of God flowing through you. He wants to use every beautiful thing about you to be used for his glory to touch those. So until we are broken, the inner man and the outer man are at odds with each other. Do you know there's a conflict? Our soul and our spirit, there's a conflict going on. Because what's happening is that a lot of times the very thing that you want to do, guess what? You don't do. But the very things that you're supposed to do, you don't do. Why? There's a conflict. There's a conflict of your inner man and your outer man. Your outer man wants to satisfy the flesh. Your inner man wants to release the spirit of God. So there's a conflict. So we have to come to the place in life that we realize nothing fruitful in the kingdom of God is going to avail much until this outer life is broken. I've been this week looking over my life and looking over years of my life and I am beginning to rejoice over the moments that I was broken because it's through those places that I am coming alive in because the Spirit of God within me is, is flowing through those areas and I'm for the first time, I feel like, you know what? For a lot of times, you know, we get broken. What do we try to do? We try to patch it up. Oh, that wasn't really good. You know, we, we try to, you know, fix it a little bit. Well, I don't want to look broken or anything. That's not a real value in America to look broken. But if we can glory in the brokenness like we are glorying in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, it says that, he became poor that we might become rich in the kingdom. So we can gladly boast in our brokenness that we get to experience the power of God flowing through us and touching individuals. He doesn't want you to have your outer man living independently of your inner man. So surrender all. Someone asked uh, about a week ago, John asked uh, about a week ago, he said, well, how do you, how do you get broken? I said, well, that's, that's a good question. I, I, you know, I said, let me just tell you how it starts. <laughs> it starts with you getting on the altar. Romans 12.1 says this that we are to offer up our lives as a living sacrifice, which is our acceptable form of worship. And I told John, I said, you know what the hard thing is about living sacrifices, don't you? They always want to crawl off the altar. <laughs> but we're to offer up our lives as a living sacrifice, that, and that's our acceptable form of worship. And we will not be conformed to this world, but we'll be transformed by this reformation of the way we think 
that our thinking is aligned with what God's Word says and not our feelings. We're going to believe in His Word. But it all starts with getting on the altar of offering up your life as a living sacrifice unto God. And in that sacrifice, it's a sweet aroma unto God. Because you are, it is holy and acceptable. You are a holy sacrifice unto God. And then in that, there's the, the, the breaking of the outer life so that the spirit of the living God can flow through you. I want to show this video. Can we show this? Can we turn off this, the light real quick? This, this is a video from a, a movie clip called The Mission. And this is an individual that, this individual that is, has this uh, big old thing strapped around his back is, he was a slave trader. And, and he came to a place of repentance and he was wanting to be cut free from all of the things that he, that he depended on or that he, was, he felt like was his own strength and that was his armor. And all of his abilities and all of his talents was wrapped up inside this bundle that he carries on his back. But what you'll see at the end is that he's cut free from the old things of the past. And God breaks him. And it's a beautiful experience of how he comes into the fullness of who he is through being broken. So let's play this.
Well, that's lovely. It didn't go all the way to the end. But at the end, he climbs to the top with his, um, the big thing he had. And, and the individuals that he would, would um, enslave, the tribe that he would enslave, um, cut him free from that and pushed that down the mountain. And he broke and he just starts crying. And he's weeping before God. And he's broken. But the beautiful thing that happens is the things that he was dependent upon, God broke him free from, that he might be able to enter into what God had for him. And he became a beautiful monk who served the Lord and loved the people. And he was the most loving man that there ever was because of the things that he depended upon were cut free from him and he was a broken man. So I feel like the Lord has had me talk about brokenness um, the last two weeks. And if you had, didn't hear last week's message, I'd like for you to listen to it. But I believe it's really been a setup by God because of what is going to be spoken next week. Because it is through our own brokenness that we come to realize the beautiful life of Jesus that dwells within us can flow out and Jesus can touch other people around you in your life in a beautiful way. That sometimes the life of Christ is not able to bless others because of the hard shell of your outer man. And when that's broken, then all of a sudden there's a beautiful release of the Spirit in and through your life. And people encounter Jesus when they meet you. They don't encounter your personality. They don't encounter this very brilliant individual who's got a good mind. They meet the life of Jesus and none other. And that's what our goal is. Our goal is to be the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth. That when we meet people, they get to see Jesus and not us in any way. Amen? So let's all stand. Father, I thank you. I praise you for... Lord, I thank you for what you have done for us, the glory of the cross. And God, I thank you that um, it is your desire that, as Oswald Chambers says, we must become broken bread and poured out wine for a lost and dying generation. And God, I thank you that uh, the bread that you blessed, you then broke at the Last Supper. You took the bread and you, you blessed and then you broke it. As symbolic of your life that would be broken for us on the cross. So that the very redemptive beauty, the salvation of the whole world would be made way through your broken body and through your poured out blood. So Jesus, we thank you and we praise you this day that we can glory in the wonder of the cross, 
because it is through the victory of the cross that we have salvation. It is through the victory of the cross that we have deliverance. It is through the victory of the cross that we have healing. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that it's all about you. Everything we do in life is all about you. So Lord, I'm asking that you would be glorified in our lives. And we praise you and we thank you. The Lord, it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord. And I praise you, Lord. And I thank you that, God, we can actually rejoice. We can rejoice in the breaking that the glory and the beauty and the love of Jesus can touch people, refresh people. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for all that you're doing in and through our lives. And it's in the wonderful name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Encourage the person beside you and let them know how much you love them. Let them know how much you're grateful that they're your brother and sister in the Lord. And if anyone needs prayer or if you need encouragement this day, I want to just invite you to come forward and get some prayer. I'd love to have the team just pray for you if you need some encouragement. But I, I ask, Father, right now that you would bless this church. Bless them and keep them. Make your face shine upon them and give them your peace. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.